Part seven of a Christmas Miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part seven When Christmas Crossed the Peace by Nellie L. McClune. Section one Bringing the Joys of Christmas to the North Country. The north bank of the Peace, in its autumnal dress of tawny grey, was overwashed with the pale December sunshine as the empty grain wagons returning from the crossing leisurely wound their way through the shaded valley below, over the gravelly road that roughly follows the turns in the river. Once in a while the road, emerging from the shrubbery, comes so near the stream that a full view of its placid, majestic, zinc-colored waters was given to the drivers. But their thoughts were not of nature, her beauties or her moods, and not even the mighty peace, pursuing its even way, could lift the burden from their souls. Bill Lukes, leaving his horses to follow, climbed into his neighbor's wagon, for Bill was a sociable soul, and craved the moral support that a kindred spirit like Dad Peters could and would freely give in this perplexing time, and the country north of the Peace had its grievances too, in this year of our Lord, 1919, inasmuch as the hand of the law was laid heavily upon them. Without preamble, the discussion began, i may be wrong said dad peters slowly as he crowded the tobacco into his pipe with a blunt forefinger i may be wrong here he paused as one who wishes to be fair even to an unworthy adversary but he leaned closer to his friend as if the afternoon air might carry his words farther than he intended them to go but i blame the whole thing on these darned women bill lukes his friend threw out his hands in disagreement what have they to do with it he said in surprise lots said dad lots look they've got a society now at the crossing another at the waterhole another at spirit river they get speakers from edmonton and travel and libraries then comes the nurses living alone too and that's no way for young women to live they tell the women what they should have and shouldn't have take my woman she's lost four kids already always was resigned always said it was the lord's will but now you should hear her she used hard words bitter words harsh words the last time it was mentioned said it was my fault for not bringing the doctor and all that his friend nodded sympathetically maybe so maybe you're right he said maybe they've done it i always knew no good would come of letting them vote it upsets the home i always said it would but i don't just see how they could be at the bottom of this oh you don't see don't you said dad to peter scornfully can they write or can they not have they education bill did you never happen to notice i'll say they have could they send a letter unknown to us or could they send a word by some of these foreign speakers i'll say they could and then there comes this young upstart twenty-five years old maybe no more with the yellow stripe down his pant leg and he'll clean up the whole country will he it looks as if he will said his friend gloomily i was in at bars yesterday and when i asked jim if it wasn't about time for a drink he twisted his face up until i thought he was going into a fit and when i asked him where it hurt him he crossed behind me quick and kind of hissed in my ear the house is haunted he says 
and then i caught on that the new policeman was standing in the door with a grin on his face i could have knocked him down oh, a pity you didn't said dad indignantly serve him right if you had what right has this young pup to come here and arrest decent men who ain't doing no harm it's the law dad said bill sadly it's the law the law says a man can't buy liquor for drinking purposes he can buy it to run his machinery or preserve snakes or shampoo his hair or clean his clothes or polish his glasses oh shut up said dad indignantly no one wastes good liquor them ways but what i says is this up north here we're bound to be different it's a cold country and it's a lonesome country a man needs something to warm him and something to cheer him what is there that both cheers and warms and at the same time does no harm in summer there's the flies and sometimes the terrible heat nothing helps a man through like a little nip two or three times a day all right this man comes along and because he finds a bottle or two he seizes them that's bad enough but he finds the man that has them it ain't reason and it ain't fair and here's the worst of it bill he has no respect for god or man he even found liquor in the magistrate's house and made trouble he didn't he did sure if any place should have been safe it was the magistrate's house what's our institutions coming to when a magistrate's house even can be searched well they tell me he confiscated what he found and you know yourself bill it was prime good stuff that the magistrate always kept but it's gone there's no hope of getting a drop now and in two weeks it's christmas it will be a lonesome one in these parts bill luke's thoughtfully stroked his chin on which a three days growth of whiskers resisted the free passage of his hand it's sure tough dad ain't there no way what's wrong with going to the crossin'? the policemen there are good fellows and bringing out some and other towns ain't safe i know but the crossin'? i've had all i want to do with the law said dad dejectedly when i paid my fine i didn't know he had caught you too dad exclaimed his friend when i paid my fine the magistrate made it as easy as he could and says he mr peters i have no option but to fine you says he and he reminded me the young pup did that the next offence was jail but dad we could keep him busy down our way and you could slip down to the crossin just the day before and bring it out pretendin it was christmas things or something you don't say cried dad sounds awful easy to hear you tell it and who'd take my place when i was sent to jail no sir i don't fancy it this fellow is a darned crook anyway he must be or he wouldn't know everyone's business so well tom sneddon had a few bottles hid in a load of hay he found it john wallace had his box sent in as usual marked books just as he had always done and it always came through every other time but this time though there wasn't anything dreepin from it nor nothin to excite suspicions just a plain box of books he nabbed it the undertaker shipped in a few coffins last week gettin ready for the winter trade and he went through em as quick as they were put off the train that's what i call insultin the dead did he find anything in the coffins asked bill eagerly sure he found it ain't i tellin you he found it there's nothin safe or sacred any more we might as well give up and settle down to ginger tea give up nothin said bill luke's surely one policeman can't run all this country north of the peace darn it all he can't be everywhere at once we've got the money and we'll have it for christmas anyway 
I'll bet Bill Adams ain't afraid of him. Old Bill will talk up to him. Bill Adams has been sick, said Dad gloomily. He's been down with pneumonia, I hear, with the nurse waiting on him. He's getting better, though. They say the nurse scrubbed his house, and then scrubbed him, in spite of all he could say. Well, that wouldn't hurt Bill none. No, but I'll bet it was an awful come-down on a man like Bill, that's never had it to bear, to be bossed around by a woman. It's different with us. We're sort of hardened to it. But Bill has led a free and happy life. He's never had his spirit broke like some of us, and I guess that's why he isn't as easily scared as we are. Bill Adams may be willing to risk it. He's our last chance, as you might say. While Dad Peters and friend Bill Lukes were discussing the arid conditions of the land of their adoption, the same subject was being taken up from another angle in the home of the latter. In the big kitchen, the early twilight of the December day was reflected in the face of the tall woman who kneaded her bread on the long, unpainted table. Her movements were slow and hopeless. She wore a flannelette wrapper, as faded and anemic as herself, and as she worked, she sighed deeply. Sitting on a stool, made of tomato cans and covered with a gaily-flowered cretonne, her daughter was peeling potatoes, and taking a delight in peeling them, much deeper than was necessary, just as a protest against prevailing conditions. All her life, she thought, she had peeled thin, and what good had it done? Madge Lukes threw back her mop of red hair indignantly. There was rebellion in every movement. "'It's no use, Madge,' her mother began, in a voice as colorless as her face. "'It's no use. There will be no Christmas this year. The weather has gone against us somewhat, and your pa is that cross there's no living with him.' Let us just get on with him in the easiest way. It's the best way, after all. The resignation in her voice, the pathetic droop of her mouth, was like a spark in the long, dry grass. Madge's eyes flamed with indignation, and two brilliant spots of color burned in her cheeks. Ma, you're too dead easy with him. You've lost all your pep these last two or three years. I remember when you used to stand up to him. But now you're so darned full of resignation, you make me tired. You're just as much to blame as he is, always taking the quiet way because it's easiest. Why don't you ever stand up to him like you used to? Mrs. Lukes stopped her work and looked wide-eyed at the furious face of her daughter. Oh, Madge, she managed to say, don't talk like that. I will talk, cried Madge, and you'd be better if you talked more. What right is he to hog up every cent? and blow it in for his own pleasure, and then get so cross when he's sober enough that we can't live with him. You work for this money, so do I, so do the boys, but he has the spending of it. You've been too blamed easy, Ma. Mrs. Lukes mechanically attempted the defense of her husband. You shouldn't talk that way, Madge, about your pa and me. We've done the best we could, only we've had some trials, too, these past years, and we kind of lost heart and if he gets a little off once in a while, you mustn't blame him. It's just so he can forget all his troubles. Oh, is that it? said Madge. Ma, you sure are easy. You'd make excuses for the devil, if he was here. That's why, is it? Why did he drink in the good years, then? Why does he drink every chance he gets? Oh, I know, it keeps him hot in winter and cool in summer, keeps him dry when it rains and from being parched when it don't rain, makes him better when he's sick and keeps him from getting sick. 
but it doesn't keep him from making fool bargains and giving away things when he goes to sell em it doesn't keep him from being so cross that bill couldn't stand him and left home we've been here five years and we've all worked harder than he has but he handles the money and doesn't even give himself a good time with it now ma you may be willing to slave all your life but i'm not i see nothing ahead but hard work and sour looks and i won't stand it mrs lukes began to cry with her face twisting pitifully but without a sound madge whose back was to her did not see there's no fight left in me madge i'm beat clean beat she said at last through her sobs i have fought and fought and there's no good in it it's better just to quit fightin it's like that piece of paper out there caught on the fence flappin in the wind small good it's flappin does it it just tears itself to pieces that's all it does that's just like me only i've quit i'm done flappin madge sprang to her feet and threw her arms around her mother's heaving shoulders don't cry ma she cried it will be all right i'm a brute to talk to you that way i just got too sore for a minute i didn't mean what i said about not standing it sure i will i'll stick by you ma i'm all that you have now that's any help and i'll sure stay until the kids are all raised anyway you bet i will i won't leave my ma you're young madge said her mother patting her back gently with her rough hand and i wouldn't blame you there's not much life for you here i've often thought lately that there's a sort of curse on people that venture too far we had no need to come so far when there was lots of land back home but he would come and i have been easy just as you say but there's a curse i know on them that's too venturesome we're too far away here too far we're behind god's back he can't see us at all and all sort of evil spirits get in their bad work on us and god doesn't know i see it when the northern lights hiss out at me like a nest of snakes and even the cows i catch whispering behind my back when they don't think i know whispering and mocking at me and wantin to tell me something and there's noises in the house at night wantin to warn me about something i hear em but i don't answer em it's best not to answer em i'm hopin they will give it up if i don't answer em they always get worse at christmas tauntin me that my children have never known a christmas since we came up here they tell me there's no christmas north of the peace and there never will be they mock us and remind me of the fun i had when i was a little girl back in nova scotia we always had a christmas tree with candles and clove apples and tissue paper balls and a doll for the little girls but here there's nothing but hard work and sour looks christmas will never cross the peace madge's eyes were filled with alarm as she listened never before had she heard her mother speak such words and a grim possibility now stared her in the face but with characteristic wisdom she gave no indication of her fears but began to talk about other things it's getting in on ma she thought in horror she's going queer she's slipping well now there has to be something done and done quick her first thought in her hour of need was the nurse miss downey would know across the fields of grass and poplar scrub from the luke's home and about a mile distant stood the nurse's house with a grove of poplar trees sheltering it from the northwest a roughly built house of logs with long windows in each side and half-sized ones in the ends with the smoke curling bravely up from its rusty stovepipe for the nurse was at home during a temporary lull in the condition of the neighborhood's health 
a fire burned cheerfully in the big wood range and a small tea kettle threatened to dislodge its lid in its bubbling exuberance the nurse set it back on the stove where its boiling died slowly away but suddenly changing her mind she put it back on the very hottest place where it caught up its speed again and burst into a thunder of bubbles i like the sound of it she said as if in explanation there are not too many cheerful sounds in this house though i'll never admit that i am lonesome a nurse must never be lonesome sick or tired that's the first lesson diana do you hear me i'm following out your instructions she addressed a large textbook over which she had spent many hours in her days of training which occupied the position of honor on the library table the nurse's home was divided into four rooms although no such partitions were visible to the human eye but miss downey strong in youth and imagination saw in her one big room a living room clearly defined by the library table filled with books the morris chair beside it placed well under the bracket lamp on the wall and on the floor the one and only rug the kitchen could be located easily by the presence of the range a small table and on the wall a row of shining tins the bedroom and dispensary were harder to distinguish for their boundaries overlapped in a confusing way the bed itself was screened from view by curtains of blue dyed to match the table runner but the dressing-room consisted of one mirror and one packing-box also draped in blue was clearly a part of the dispensary for below the blue curtains stood bottles and boxes and packages whose pervading odor was faintly reminiscent of hospitals i'll light both lamps said miss downey as she rolled up her blinds and tied the crochet rope below so anyone who passes will know i am at home and will drop in and now for the elijah box and see what my supplies are behind the house and sheltered in summer by trees stood the improvised refrigerator made by sinking a box in the ground there being no difficulty at this season of the year about keeping it cool removing the stone which kept the lid in place miss downey beheld the offerings of her grateful patients one chicken ready to serve one bottle of cream one roll of butter a jar of pickles inside she had found bread and potatoes two pies and a cake left by anonymous contributors so there seemed to be no reason to fear that unexpected company would cause any embarrassment returning to the house she put the chicken in the oven and prepared a pot of potatoes and set her table there will surely be someone over to see how bill adams is she said hopefully as she set out her best cups and saucers when they see the light and know i'm home but the night came on black and starless and in spite of the beacons which gleamed from each window no one came and she was compelled to eat her chicken dinner alone when she went back to the refrigerator to replace the part of the chicken her visitors should have eaten she saw the northern lights that were darting and shooting across the sky with tongues of violet amber and opal and with a rustling sound like the crumpling of silk folding and unfolding creeping and rushing in a way that fascinated yet awed her and when tinkerbell her little dog who followed her everywhere turned her little nose skyward and broke into a dismal cry miss downey sought the shelter of the house with its reassuring warmth and light 
but the north window drew her and putting out the lamps she stood gazing in rapt attention at the panorama of the sky now they look like pink-edged sheets on the line in a perfect gale she said and if they are not taken in that fancy edge will soon be nothing but a fringe and now they are advancing like the cadets at school and unconsciously she began to sing the marching song which she had so often played at home and here come the girls in white in a fan drill with pink and blue sashes with the colored lights on them they will be training for christmas now every one will be there but me then a blur of homesickness shut out the glory of the sky and the brave miss downey so calm and resolute and determined to obey diana's precepts came as near to tears as a self-respecting nurse can come over her own griefs suddenly outside tinker bell began to bark in sharp little staccato yelps as if she could not find words to express her excitement here is something that will surprise you she seemed to telegraph back and so impressed was her mistress with the note of honesty in tinkerbell's voice that she lighted both lamps and hastily arranged her hair at the glass and dabbed a little powder on her nose to be ready for anything soon a clatter of horses hoofs mingled with the dog's bark and a heavy knock sounded on her door she flung it hospitably open and beheld a young man in uniform who politely bade her good evening and waited for her invitation to enter the invitation came readily for she was glad to see any one any one to whom she could talk and as she stirred the fire she asked her visitor if she could not offer him something to eat don't start me off unless you have plenty on hand he laughed showing a fine set of teeth for i haven't had anything for twelve hours why where have you been she asked in surprise i am on my way to the crossing he said from spirit river and there's some sort of an agreement it seems that they won't feed me i'm sergeant woods of the a p p and i guess i am in wrong with the men anyway for i have been rounding up the bootleggers but even women turn me down to-day his face was so solemn and rueful the nurse laughed in spite of herself surely not she said you bet they do the last house i went to was bill lute's over here and that poor white-faced stoop-shouldered wife of his said to me i wouldn't dare to let you come in pa wouldn't like it but the girl spoke up i guess pa hasn't got her subdued and said go to the nurse's house she is at home and she'll feed you she's not afraid of anything and she's got lots of grub on hand so if you're not afraid and if you have lots of grub on hand we can proceed i can do the rest when sergeant woods had satisfied his hunger he looked at her quizzically do you know what i am wondering no she said how you come to be here a young girl like you in this wild place it's not wild she said and i'm not young i was three years overseas and i am a graduate nurse well you're young he reaffirmed and you are living alone i'm not very much alone she corrected him i board around though generally i get home at night if i'm not too far away i have been away three nights now but that was because i had a bad case that i couldn't leave where were you he asked i was with bill adams an exclamation broke from him bill adams he cried the worst old soak in the country do you mean you stayed in his shanty that dirty little hole oh you should see it now she said proudly and you should see bill i shaved him trimmed his hair gave him the first bath he'd ever had and cleaned his house 
he looked at her with increasing wonder that's no work for a woman he cried well have you seen any man volunteering for the job no he said and i won't be likely to you see mr adams was a very sick man delirious and threatened with pneumonia off on a bat i suppose he said quickly very likely anyway he was very sick i did not probe the past and he was very repentant ah the old bounder aren't you glad he was repentant she said opening her eyes very wide and he told me all his story he was a member of parliament once and studied for the ministry church and state have both had their deliverances and he's going to remember me in his will and he called me dolly when he was delirious and he said i was an angel well i am glad the old rascal hits the truth once in a while said sergeant woods gallantly she laughed light-heartedly with a colour in her cheeks that made the whole room glow what does he say about this bootlegging business that he has been carrying on well we argued quite a bit about that she confessed you see mr adams claims he is doing a real service in bridging the gap as he says between the thirsty homesteader and the supply he says in this cold climate so far away and so lonesome people need something he says it transmutes this dull existence changing drab to rose those were his words and he says if the women would drink too it would be better for them and he spoke nicely of you he said you were an officious young man who took the law seriously but he said you would find just as he had found that human nature could not be changed by laws and quoted the casita of somebody to prove he was right he says no one has a right to interfere with another and quoted this verse do what thy manhood bids thee do from none but self expect applause he noblest lives and noblest dies who makes and keeps his self-made laws the sergeant made a gesture of impatience that's another way of saying do what you like mind your own business and let the world go to the devil if it wants to that's an easy philosophy if a person has neither heart nor conscience well, i told him that said the nurse oh i told him and i rubbed it in by asking him where he would have been if i had simply minded my own business and left him alone to mind his and what did he say to that he said hell and i didn't contradict him i told him he got it right the first guess but aren't you afraid said the sergeant going into such places and dealing with such people have you no fear of course i have she said i'm often afraid i won't arrive in time or that i'll fall asleep when i should stay awake and to-night i was afraid i had not enough chicken for you and i am often afraid this is my biggest fear that i'll get lonesome dead lonesome and chuck it all and go home that's what i'd do he said decidedly you would not said the nurse shaking her head you've a harder job than mine but you stick because you think you should i just can't make you out he said again you are too young and too pretty to be wasting your life out here you could practice your profession just as well in a city and have some of the pleasures of life i know she said simply i suppose i could but i've changed my mind on what constitutes pleasures i got that overseas just as you did i want a hard job a real job i liked cleaning up old bill adams it's great to get really next to people and change the current of their thoughts he felt like a different man when i was through with him and put clean sheets on his bed and clean pillowcases and a red cross nightshirt on him it comforts me to be able to do this 
I also like their grateful words. Are they always grateful? he asked wistfully. Not always. At first they rebel. Old Bill said he'd be hanged before he'd let me wash him. I told him the hangman would have to hurry then, for the water was nearly ready. He grumbled all the time, but I didn't mind. I just scrubbed all the harder. But they are all pitiably grateful afterwards. I should say they would be, he said with a face full of admiration. You're a wonder, I'd say. Then he knitted his brows thoughtfully. My work is different, he said after a pause. I am a spoil fun, a blight. They think I'm just trying to spite them. With you, all is well, for they don't want to be sick. But they are sore at me, for they do not want to be good. And I am as tired of the job as they are, if they only knew it. Why do you stay, then? she asked. She wanted to tell him that she was equally curious about his choice of work. His jaw set squarely, and there was a look in his eyes that, to her quick understanding, answered her question without words. I'm not going to fall down on the job now that I've started. It isn't just that, either. It seems too bad to let these bootleggers degrade the settlers, for the sake of money, to peddle this awful stuff in this country where the people have endured so much, especially the women pioneering is surely tough on the women and when their men sag down and drink and so become de-socialized there's nothing left for them no wonder they go crazy i often think what a hell a woman's life is when she has to live with a drunken man slobbering dirty foul-mouthed with the subsequent ill-temper and the gradual degeneracy it isn't coming to these women after all they've come through I like the game, too, matching my wits against theirs, and I have been able to put the fear of the law into most of them, too, all but your old Bill. I would have had him, too, for I caught him red-handed, but the magistrate, who is a friend of the whole gang, said I hadn't the right number of his section, and let him go. But I'll land him yet. They are determined to have a blowout on Christmas, and the gang at the crossing are going to supply it. They have barrels of it cached there somewhere. I'm going there to look around and see if I can find it. If you can keep old Bill in bed until after Christmas, it may help, for he has been the go-between, I understand. He receives contributions from all the thirsty ones, and then makes as good a bargain as he can with the gang at the crossing, and keeps the change. So keep him bed fast, will you, in the interest of a sober Christmas? I don't believe I can hold him that long, she said. He proposed this morning before I left that's a sure sign of returning health the old devil oh he did it very nicely with quotations from omar khayyam and the Kassidah. it was really very sweet about the loaf of bread and the jug of wine underneath the bough then you don't mind proposals no not from sick men professionally we consider it a good sign he looked at her with a quizzical smile i'm not feeling real well myself tonight," he said laughing the next day Miss Downey received a hurried visit from Madge Lukes, who burst in with disheveled hair and burning cheeks, and with eyes full of terror. "'Ma's had a breakdown, Miss Downey,' she cried, "'and is acting queer.' Miss Downey began to pack her little black valise. "'Tell me what she's doing, Madge.' "'She's working around just the same, but she's talking to herself all about Christmas and what she will get on the tree and all that. She's just gone kind of queer and childish.' and Pa is scared stiff. 
he wishes now he'd let her go to edmonton to the convention when she wanted to but he said then there wasn't any money to spend that way she's just like a child miss downey and it's terrible to see her i'll go with you madge said miss downey now don't let her think you noticed anything wrong when they reached the house and went quietly in there came to the ears a sound of singing a rhythmical chant with a hand-clapping accompaniment that brought miss downey back it seemed a hundred years back to the old old days before the war when all the world was young this is the way we comb our hair comb our hair comb our hair this is the way we comb our hair early on sunday morning chanted mrs lukes rocking herself and clapping her hands with every appearance of enjoyment and entirely oblivious to her surroundings this is the way we tie our shoes tie our shoes tie our shoes sang the nurse with appropriate motions mrs lukes took it up eagerly i couldn't remember what came next she said beginning to sing again now listen said the nurse drawing up a chair in front of her patient we must get ready for the christmas tree everyone will do something and we must get the baking done for the supper how many chickens can you get ready mrs lukes looked bewildered for a moment and then throwing back her tangled gray hair said to madge how many can we promise mother mother always does a lot she added in a whisper to the nurse all right said the nurse but you must help her it won't do to leave her all the work she's not very strong you know oh i love to get ready for christmas she cried clapping her rough hands together in delight and fairly beaming with excitement but teacher hear me say my piece this is the way we wash our clothes wash our clothes wash our clothes this is the way we wash our clothes early on monday morning that's fine said the nurse stroking her work-worn hands tenderly now help all you can with the chickens out in the kitchen madge held to the nurse in a paroxysm of terror is she going to die nurse for if she is it's all my fault i, I scolded her yesterday something awful for being so easy on paul and she broke down and cried and said she was plain beat and had no fight left in her and then this morning she began to talk about christmas and all the fun they had at home when they were all young and she just talked on and on for a long time i was liking to hear her so full of talk but all at once i saw her eyes were staring queer and then she began to sing like you heard her will she die nurse oh nurse will she die no she won't die said the nurse calmly she'll be all right madge but we've got to have a real christmas a real big bubbling sparkling christmas full of excitement and surprises with candles and sparklers and drums and candy and mysterious parcels where everyone sings and dances and shouts and laughs and forgets their troubles we've just got to madge harness your best horse for me madge i'm going around the neighborhood to invite everyone to the hall for christmas night and to get all the women to start to cook this is going to be one grand occasion madge and you and i will have to see it through don't be frightened madge i'm full of hope that it will bring your mother right and save the other women from going queer they haven't enough excitement in their lives and it just gets em end of part seven section one